Hey, everyone. It is Tuesday, December 12th. You are listening to the Mo News Podcast. I am Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. We read all of the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Mosh is still not feeling well, so it is just me today. Hope everyone's doing well. It does feel like we are fully in the thick of holiday party time. I am in a children's book critique group, which I love. I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast. I'm working on a couple of different children's books at the moment. So we had our holiday party today. And in a twist on Secret Santa, we all brought our favorite children's books, then wrote a note about why we love that book, and then played a fun game to see who would get our book. Anyway, I learned about some amazing children's books that somehow I had never heard of. I'm going to post a photo of the books on my Instagram if you want to check them out. That is Jill R. Wagner. So it is basically authors of children's books letting you know their favorite children's books. So I figure if you have kids or you're looking for a book for a kid, you might find it useful. I definitely did. Okay, let's get to the headlines here. In a reversal, the Texas Supreme Court rules against the woman who sought a court-approved abortion. Plus, we're going to take a look at the state of abortion in America from Texas to Wyoming. The COP28 climate summit could be on the verge of complete failure. I'll explain. To politics, special counsel Jack Smith asks the Supreme Court to immediately decide if Donald Trump is immune from January 6th prosecution. No surprise, nearly half of U.S. teens say that they are using technology all the time. Apple working on cleaning up its confusing iPad lineup. The terms that people Googled the most in 2023. And the biggest snubs and surprises of the 2024 Golden Globe nominations. Plus, I will have On This Day in History. All right, starting with the Texas Supreme Court, which on Monday overturned a lower court order allowing an abortion for a pregnant woman whose fetus was diagnosed with a fatal condition. Earlier that day on Monday, her lawyers said that she decided to leave the state of Texas for the procedure, regardless of how the Supreme Court was going to rule. But this was the first case of a pregnant woman seeking a court order for the procedure since Roe v. Wade was overturned last year. And on the heels of the Texas case, state Supreme Courts in Wyoming, New Mexico and Arizona all set to hear arguments regarding abortion access this week. But back to Texas, Kate Cox, she is a 31 year old mother of two from the Dallas area. She asked the nonprofit Center for Reproductive Rights for legal help in obtaining an emergency abortion in Texas after she learned on November 27th that her fetus had a genetic condition that ends almost all pregnancies in miscarriage or stillbirth, and the babies who do survive often die prematurely. Her doctors also warned that carrying the pregnancy to term could jeopardize her health and future fertility. A judge, Maya Guerra Gamble, an elected Democrat, granted a temporary restraining order on Thursday that would have let Cox have an abortion, But Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, a Republican, asked the Texas Supreme Court to block the abortion. The court agreed to weigh in on the matter and froze the lower court's decision. And then on Monday, the state Supreme Court weighed in in a seven page ruling. The court said that Cox's doctor, quote, asked a court to preauthorize the abortion, yet she could not or at least did not attest to the court that Ms. Cox's condition poses the risks the exception requires. 
Texas allows for abortions only when a pregnancy seriously threatens the health or the life of the woman. Again, Cox will be going to another state to get the procedure, but her attorneys do note that many other women in the state don't necessarily have the financial means to be able to do that. Now, this isn't the only abortion question making its way to the courts this week. Roe v. Wade governed reproductive rights for nearly half a century until the Supreme Court overturned that decision back in 2022, leaving states with the final say. Now, let's go to Arizona. At the time of the Supreme Court decision, that state had two seemingly conflicting abortion laws on the books. There was a 2022 law that outlawed abortion after 15 weeks. And then there was a near total ban that dated back to 1864. Abortion providers didn't know which law to follow until the Arizona Court of Appeals decided to what they say is harmonize the state's conflicting abortion laws. Judges said that the 1864 near total ban should apply to non-physicians, but that doctors could follow the newer law and provide abortions up to 15 weeks. Today, the justices, all appointed by Republican governors, will hear arguments if the lower court's ruling should stand or if the total ban should apply to all abortion providers. Regardless, though, abortion advocates are already working to have voters decide on abortion access through 2024 ballot measures. In New Mexico, abortion is legal, but some conservative areas in the state have passed local ordinances that restrict abortion providers. New Mexico's attorney general is asking the state's Supreme Court to invalidate these bans. Arguments will start this week. And in Wyoming, earlier this year, a judge temporarily blocked the state's near total ban on abortion and abortion medication. But under the state's constitution, people have the right to make their own health care. So does abortion qualify as health care? That is the question before a judge this week. So clearly the abortion debate at the state level just getting started, and it is expected to be a major factor in the 2024 elections as it was this year. All right, now to the climate summit COP28 that we reported on last week. It's currently being held in Dubai. Let's just say that it is not going well. Climate advocates are warning that the summit could be on the verge of failure after a new draft of the core agreement removed a call to phase out fossil fuels, the main driver of the climate crisis. According to CNN, the draft was posted Monday, more than six hours later than expected, and it used watered down language on fossil fuels, which was an apparent concession to oil producing countries that opposed the measure. Previous drafts had called on countries to phase out climate polluting oil, gas and coal, which was a sign that this year's summit would perhaps have results that were stronger than previous years. Instead, the core agreement calls on countries to take actions to reduce planet warming pollution, which, quote, could include reducing the consumption and production of oil, coal and gas. Now, in response to that, former U.S. Vice President Al Gore, climate advocate, wrote in a post on X that the summit is, quote, now on the verge of complete failure. He says the world desperately needs to phase out fossil fuels as quickly as possible. But this obsequious draft reads as if OPEC dictated it word for word. It is even worse than many had feared, he writes. And he isn't the only one with concerns. More than 100 countries at the talks in Dubai want an agreement to phase out fossil fuels, But members of OPEC, like Saudi Arabia, and including the Secretary General of OPEC, are trying to take out any reference to fossil fuels, saying it would be, quote, 
unacceptable that politically motivated campaigns put our people's prosperity and future at risk. So stay tuned. We will keep you posted on what, if anything, winds up happening at this climate summit. All right, plenty of news coming up. But first, a word from some of our sponsors. This bustling holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel you on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Personally, I have been loving them. They save me so much time. They're delicious. I feel like I'm eating like a fancy meal uh, when I'm home. I personally have been loving also the cold-pressed juices, the pasta dishes, and a bunch of the different chicken meals. So you could skip all of your meal planning, grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, cleaning up, and get Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals delivered to your door. They're ready in about two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy Treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals over the holidays. Choose from more than 35 chef-crafted meals every week. They support a healthy lifestyle and meet all of your meal preferences, whether it's calorie smart, vegan, protein plus, whatever you're looking for, they have it. And factor not just for dinner. Choose from quick breakfast items, lunch to go, grab-and-go snacks, and ready-to-drink cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals ready in two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash monews50. So use that code monews50, M-O-N-E-W-S-5-0 to get 50% off. And that's at factormeals.com. Again, that is slash monews50 for 50% off. All right. And if you are a longtime listener, you know we have been drinking AG1 for about a year now here over at the podcast. Especially as a mom of two young kids, I could use all of the help I could get when it comes to nutrition and just my energy level. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement. It supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. AG1 is continuously refining their formula to create smarter, better ways to elevate your baseline health. It's tested for 950 contaminants. It's NSF certified for sport, formulated on the latest science and maintains the highest quality standards. I take AG1 in the morning and I know I am covered for the day regardless of what else I eat. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash monews. That is drinkag1.com slash monews. Check it out. Time now for the speed read from Politico. Special counsel Jack Smith is urging the Supreme Court to urgently resolve Donald Trump's claim that he is immune from prosecution for charges related to his bid to subvert the 2020 election. Without the Supreme Court's swift intervention, Trump's trial could be indefinitely delayed, the special counsel warned in a petition to the high court on Monday. That is because the trial, which is scheduled to start on March 4th, is effectively suspended while Trump pursues his appeal of the trial judge's ruling, rejecting his immunity arguments. By coming directly to the Supreme Court, Smith is hoping to bypass a federal appeals court and is mounting an aggressive bid to keep the timing of the election-focused trial on track. If the March 4th trial date sticks, it would be the first trial for Trump in the four criminal cases he is facing as he mounts a bid for re-election to the White House. 
In the petition, Smith wrote, quote, the United States recognizes that this is an extraordinary request. This is an extraordinary case. Smith asked the Supreme Court to take up the issue on an accelerated basis with the possibility of oral arguments early next year. The prosecutor's submissions compare the situation to that of a proposed trial for the Watergate conspirators five decades ago when the court resolved a petition from President Richard Nixon, who wasn't charged in the case in about two months. Trump has argued that he is absolutely immune from the criminal charges because they stem from official acts that he took while he was president to ensure the integrity of the 2020 election. Prosecutors, though, say that Trump's repeated lies about the outcome and deployment of those lies to pressure state and federal officials to overturn the results cannot possibly count as official acts. Trump is describing Smith's petition as a Hail Mary attempt to bypass the appellate process. His campaign says, quote, there's absolutely no reason to rush this sham to trial except to injure President Trump and tens of millions of his supporters. All right, now to some tech news from CNN. Nearly half of U.S. teens are using technology constantly. A new Pew Research Center survey on teens and technology polled about 1,500 kids online from the ages of 13 to 17. YouTube is the most widely used platform with nearly 9 in 10 teens using it. About 7 in 10 teens say they visit the platform every day, including 16% who say that they're on it almost constantly. TikTok, Snapchat, and Instagram also are very popular among teens. 63% say they use TikTok. 58% say they are daily users of TikTok. And 17% of that group describes their TikTok use as almost constant. Snapchat is third with 60% of American teens using the app and Instagram is a close fourth. Teens are less likely to be using Facebook and Twitter than they were a decade ago. Facebook, which once dominated the social media landscape among America's youth, now has seen the use drop from 71% in 2014 to about 33% today. Nearly half of teens say they are using the internet almost constantly. Teen girls are more likely than boys to say that they use Instagram and that they almost constantly use TikTok and Snapchat. A separate poll by Gallup this year found that teens spend about five hours on average on social media every day. And that report comes amid growing concerns about social media's impact on youth, especially around mental health. At the same time, many teens say these platforms improve their lives, entertaining them and making them feel less lonely. And now that social media has become an essential part of growing up, doctors and parents are figuring out how to safeguard kids. The New York Times asked teens for their own suggestions some of their ideas, they said, don't feel like you need to reply right away. Maybe turn notifications off. They say, unfollow people and pages that make you feel bad. Get outside for a couple of hours a day. And bed is not for scrolling. It is for sleeping. I guess teens are just like us, right? Uh, that's advice I think we could all use, or at least I can. Sticking with tech from Bloomberg, Apple is planning to overhaul its iPad lineup in 2024 in an effort to boost sales and make the assortment less confusing. A decade ago, the iPad lineup was fairly clear. There were two main models, a big one and a little one. And the previous year's versions were sold at a discount. But over time, Apple just added more options. You had the standard and the mini iPads. There were new low-end models, a high-end Air, more powerful Pro versions. 
The idea was to appeal to all different types of consumers and ultimately sell more tablets, but it all came at a cost. The lineup got cluttered and confusing. To make matters worse, there are a dizzying array of accessories, and it is often unclear which add-ons are compatible with which iPads. So now the company is trying to clarify its iPad assortment, and the once-neglected Mac is providing the blueprint. Apple offers two main classes of MacBooks in two different sizes. There's the 14- and 16-inch MacBook Pro, and then the 13- and 15-inch MacBook Air. The two lines are clearly distinguished. The Pro models get larger displays and faster processors, but at a higher price. So Apple is trying to bring that same clarity now to the iPad. So for starters, it wants to reduce the confusion between the iPad Pro and the Air. The ultimate way to simplify the iPad would be to dwindle the line down to just the Pro and Air, but Apple also needs a cheaper model to sell into the education market or it would risk losing more ground to Chromebooks. The big question is whether or not this simplification will be enough to reinvigorate the tablet category. From CBS News, your Google search history for 2023 has arrived. Well, actually, the world's has arrived. On Monday, Alphabet or Google released its year in search, a roundup of 2023's top global queries ranging from unforgettable pop culture moments, hello Barbenheimer, to the loss of beloved figures and tragic news carrying worldwide repercussions. The ongoing Israel-Hamas war topped news trends in 2023, according to Google's global data followed by queries related to the Titanic-bound submersible that imploded back in June, as well as February's devastating earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. Damar Hamlin was Google's top-trending person on search this year. He is a safety with the NFL's Buffalo Bills and experienced a near-death cardiac arrest on the field during January's game. But he has since completed a much-celebrated comeback And that was followed by actor Jeremy Renner, who survived a serious snowplow accident at the beginning of 2023. Meanwhile, the late Matthew Perry and Tina Turner also led search trends among notable individuals who passed away. In the world of entertainment, Barbie dominated Google searches, movie trends this year, followed by Oppenheimer and the Indian thriller Jawan. In TV, The Last of Us, Wednesday, and Ginny and Georgia were the top three trending shows in 2023. In the U.S., many consumers spent 2023 asking why eggs, Taylor Swift tickets, and sriracha bottles were so expensive. And of all of Taylor Swift-related terms, her era's tour drew the most queries from Google searchers, but her romance with Kansas City Chief star Travis Kelsey is gaining steadily as the year draws to a close. And finally, from the New York Times, the nominations for the 81st Golden Globes ceremony, which will be televised by CBS on January 7th, were announced on Monday. New movies like American Fiction, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest will compete alongside summertime blockbusters like Oppenheimer and Barbie. Barbie led the nominations with nine, followed by Oppenheimer with eight. In the TV category, Succession had the most with nine, followed by The Bear, and Only Murders in the Building, with five apiece. One obvious snub, The Color Purple, based on the Broadway version of the story and backed by Oprah Winfrey, was left out of the best film, musical, or comedy category. In a surprise, voters found a way to invite Taylor Swift to the ceremony, nominating her Eras Tour concert film in a new category for blockbusters. 
The Golden Globes, not without controversy. New owners expanded the voting pool to about 300 journalists from around the world with attention paid to diversity. Fewer than 100 people voted on the Globes until a couple of years ago. As recently as 2021, there were no black voters. The January show will include two new categories, one for stand-up comedy on TV and the other for blockbuster films, defined as those taking in at least $100 million at the U.S. box office. Now, the recipients of the Globes for Lifetime Achievement, one in film and the other in TV, will be named in the coming weeks, along with a host for the ceremony. As I mentioned yesterday, so far, no takers. Not sure what's going on, but uh, it doesn't appear that anyone's interested. I will say, if anyone from the Globes is listening, Moshe and I would be happy to do it. We'll drop a ton of trivia and news, and it'll be a great time. All right, time for On This Day in History. On this day, December 12th in 1911, two years after it was stolen from the Louvre Museum in Paris, Leonardo da Vinci's masterpiece, The Mona Lisa, was recovered. It was inside an Italian waiter's hotel room in Florence. On this day in 2000, the U.S. Supreme Court effectively awarded the presidency to George W. Bush, ruling that a fair recount of ballots in Florida could not be performed by the deadline for certifying the state's electors. Oh, those hanging chads. Remember those days. And on this day in 1977, Saturday Night Fever, starring John Travolta, had its world premiere. That film was a huge hit, as was the accompanying disco soundtrack by the Bee Gees. All right, everybody, that does it for me. Thank you for listening to the Mo News Podcast. If you like what you hear, share this with your friends. It will help us grow. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Review us in the App Store. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram for news throughout the day. That's at Mosh, M-O-S-H-E-H. Mosh, if you are listening, hope you are feeling better. As for everyone else, have a great Tuesday, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.